360 degrees. Hop high, 360 degrees. Hop high, 306. 306. 360 degrees. Hop high. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Kuchin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley. Well, this week we check out a Pacifica Network produced podcast. It's called COVID, Race and Democracy. On tonight's show, we'll hear highlights from the Pacifica Network series. Later, we'll speak with Ann Garrison, one of the producers of COVID, Race and Democracy, about the podcast and about the Pacifica Network. Also, we'll learn about Area 941. Have you heard of it? It's a KPFA podcast zone on kpfa.org. We'll learn all about that tonight, and we'll have some great music tonight on Full Circle. I am your host, Freewell and Franklin. Keep it locked right here to KPFA. Again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. I am your host tonight, Freewell and Franklin. And first off, I just want to start off by saying, arrest the insurrectionist now. I am not a big fan of the U.S. government, as many of you may know, and the racist policies it was founded on. But what we saw Wednesday was an insurrection, an attempted coup. And if we are not to fall back centuries in the little bit of social and racial progress we have made in this country, then we need to arrest the insurrectionist now. Um, We know who stoked the crowd, the Trump family, Giuliani, Ted Cruz, the rest of them. We saw the pictures of the men in the Capitol with Confederate flags, with guns and zip ties. Those people need to be arrested immediately. Come on, government, get her done out there. Let's do this. Okay, rant over. Whoo, geez, it's just uh, so much, you know, so much. But let's get on with the show tonight because I am very excited to bring you COVID, race, and democracy. Have you heard of it? Well, CRD, as it is sometimes called, is a show that at one time was broadcast on all five stations of the Pacifica Network and many of the affiliates. And it covers the state of our nation at this time of violent growth and battling a global pandemic. It is a project in part to show the strength and breadth of the Pacifica network. Remember, KPFA is only one station in a five-station network. So before I go on any further, let's check out this 30-minute compilation of COVID race and democracy segments and a big shout-out to CRD executive producer Paulina Vasia for putting this together for us tonight. Thank you, Paulina. And when we return, we will be joined by CRD producer and award-winning journalist Ann Garrison to talk more about this special production and where we can listen to it now. 
And by the way, the first segment you will hear on COVID race and democracy was produced by First Voice graduate and KPFA producer Sarah Blanco. Check it out. Stay tuned. Um, I want to file a report. What are you reporting? Abuse vocally, because he's the landlord of the apartments, and we feel like he's going to come at any moment because he's done that before, and we feel like he's going to do that again. It is a hard experience to know that you're 75, 76 years old, and the 40th year of your sentence, then COVID can take you out at any moment, but the chance of you getting out any other way is probably slim to none. They have not provided us with the safety equipment we need during this pandemic. They have discriminated against us. And on this day, we want to raise our voices for all those women who work in laundries in the city so that they will know that they are not alone. From Pacifica Radio, this is COVID, Race and Democracy, a collective effort by producers from the Pacifica Radio Network and its affiliate stations across the U.S. I'm your host, Ann Garrison. As eviction and foreclosure moratoriums expire, many tenants face not only loss of their homes, but also harassment by landlords. Sarah Blanco reports from Contra Costa County, California. We turn our attention to California, specifically a city in Contra Costa, where a renter has been feeling harassed by her landlord since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic even though she says that she has informed him from the beginning that she wasn't going to be able to pay due to COVID-19. She has chosen to remain anonymous. We will call her Yannette. Yannette is self-employed and her work is cleaning houses. The city she lives in and the county have an eviction moratorium until September 2020. While there are requirements she has as a tenant to document her income losses And to notify the landlord in time if she can't pay rent, she feels she has been doing so. The following audio documentary recordings we will hear came from Yannette directly and are being used with her permission. They highlight not only the struggle that her and her daughter face as renters affected by the pandemic, but also show their struggle and courage to make sure they exert their right to protect themselves in their own home. One of the times that the landlord arrived to her home Yannette and her 12-year-old child called 911, and they recorded themselves doing so. These are short excerpts of the call. 911, where's your Um, I want to file a report. What are you reporting? Abuse vocally, because he's the landlord of the apartments, and we feel like he's going to come at any moment, because he's done that before, and we feel like he's going to do that again. I am 12, and he was talking to me in a way that I really didn't like. He was cussing, and he was telling me to shut up, and I told him to stop, and he was like, I don't care who you, who you are in this, and it, now I don't feel safe sleeping here because I am scared he's going to come and like do something to us, to me and my mom. I don't feel safe. He comes whenever he wants sometimes. Like, let's say an hour ago, he came and he banged on the window. He was banging, and my mom was taking a shower, and I was in the room. And, like, that's what makes me really unsafe because he was banging and banging on the door and on the window and on the walls and, like, 
looking through our um, window room and it's made me feel real unsafe and I feel like he's going to do that while we're sleeping and I really don't want him to do that. At the end of this 911 call, the operator does take down their phone numbers and lets them know that an officer will be calling them. The following audio is from a video taken when two people came to their door on behalf of the landlord. The tenant, Yannette, thinks that they may be the landlord's sons. They stand at the door and ask her for more documentation of loss of income, which she says she has sent already by email, and they tell her that it isn't enough. Those documents don't really state that you're not getting a loss in. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, you know what? You know what? I'll figure out now this. I text you, and I tell you, I'll let you know when I'm ready. So I'm not ready yet. But it's not, it's, I mean, you can't really state you're not ready if you're still getting paid because you're an essential worker. Okay, but this is like a, enough. I don't know why you come, like, whatever you guys want. So this is not good. Well, it's not that okay, whatever we well, want. I mean, we need the, we need yeah, the Yeah, I know, I understand that. So, and I understand, so I got your phone call, I text you back, and you never answer, so. You just sent a text, you didn't call back. And I, I text like you times. back. When you guys don't want to answer my text, you guys don't do it. So? Well, I mean, uh, he... If okay, he, you know what? I'm not going to talk to you guys today. I'll let you know when I'm ready. But, I mean, you need to show us proper payment. I mean, that's... In a letter dated April 6, 2020, Yannette's landlord sent a 24-hour notice of intent to enter premises for the next day between noon and 4 p.m., the reason given on the notice is simply, inspect the premises. We hear the landlord upon entry to their home in this next clip. The landlord is holding his phone out like he either is recording or is appearing to be taking video. The tenants were taking their own video, and here are some of the sounds as he wanders their home. To inspect that unit? Yeah. Why do you want to so inspect, no. inspect? I don't understand why you are here all the time. The you come whatever you want. That's yeah, you, nice. you banged on the door last time. You think that didn't scare us? You were banging on the window. In the you think balls, that's okay? Windows, door, that's not nice. And you but, were cussing at her and we recorded it. Okay, we haven't called That's fine. That's fine. No, that's Go fine. check, there's we're, no one we're, living here. We don't get it. Why are you guys always here? While Yannette and her 12-year-old daughter have been brave with sharing this audio and they've been courageous with wanting to share their story to help others, it's important to note that the emotional trauma that they are experiencing has taken a very serious toll on them, including loss of sleep and feeling unsafe in their own home. We want to make sure that Yannette and her daughter know we're grateful they shared their story. Thank you to you both. Since this story is from Contra Costa, California, we decided to talk to Delia Pedrosa, local fair housing advocate, as to what people can do if they feel they're being harassed by their landlord. Sometimes you have to call, for example, the outreach, the 211. They have a tremendous list of resources where they can provide them with, you know, the best ones for the tenant to call and get help right away. The key here is to call. Call and reach out to any resources to get to the right agency. If this continues on, you know, as far as any harassment happening by their landlords, the best thing that they can do is right away call the police because the shelter in place legal order, there is a recital there that the sheriffs will enforce the shelter in place and law enforcement. So they can call one or the other. And once they connect to someone that can help them, maybe 
you know, help them get a restraining order together. Dilia also noted that she sees that the state is already preparing for what could possibly be a flood of evictions and unlawful detainers. We want to thank Dilia and all others who are working to help renters in this time of crisis. As listeners, we all can do our part by making sure we understand what's happening. And then we got a little bit extra in us, find out what's happening in our local communities and report. For Pacifica Radio, this has been Sarah Blanco. Special thanks to producer Free Willen Franklin. This is a song about change, you see. We say many things about the changing aspects of our lives. We say that since change is inevitable, we should direct the change rather than simply continue to go through the change. My name is Jerome Wright. I am currently employed as a statewide organizer for the Campaign for Alternatives to Isolated Confinement. That campaign is the chief proponent and sponsor of the Halt Solitary Confinement Act, which is a state legislature bill that deals with ending the uh, paradigm of punishment and torture uh, known as solitary confinement in state of New York jails and prisons. Jerome, today your close friend David Gilbert is 76 years old, and he's a political prisoner serving his 40th year of a life sentence. What can you tell us about what it's like for him and for the millions of others around the country who are incarcerated or detained during this deadly pandemic? It is a daily investment in trying to stay COVID-free, basically solitary confining yourself to your cell, eating your meals alone with the foodstuffs that you get from friends and family and sometimes from commissary. It means wanting to be on the phone to let people know you're all right, but afraid to lose the phone because you don't want to walk away infected. It is isolation on top of isolation. It is not being around getting the exercise and the outside activity that you normally have become accustomed to and need for your own physical and spiritual mental makeup. It's having staff come around who refuse to wear a mask, but you know they're the ones bringing it in because nobody had it before. So you have to avoid the staff. You have to avoid going to sick hall. You have to avoid even claiming symptoms of a cold or something because then they want to quarantine you as if you are COVID infected. It is a hard experience to know that you're 75, 76 years old in the 40th year of your sentence and COVID can take you out any moment, but the chance of you getting out any other way is probably slim to none because of politicizing of the crime of 40 years ago, of the times, of all the things that are politicized right now. It is a harrowing experience. It is a lonely existence, and it is not an existence for somebody his age to take, either with his comorbidity issues, his advancing age, or just the environment in which he's residing. It may not be a lot, but you hold on, because you know it's on your count. No matter the consequences or the fear that grips your senses, you have got to hold on. And so what do you believe people should be doing and demanding of elected leaders, prison officials, and parole boards? First of all, demand that proper PPE be given to anybody in those settings. Number two, let's release these elderly, these vulnerable, these comorbidity people 
all of whom can be released. You don't get adequate medical care in prison to begin with. You're going to add COVID to that mix, and then you're going to come out with a recipe for anything other than disaster and death? Come on, man. This is a national issue. Numbers of people incarcerated now are still too high. COVID or no COVID, they're still too high. For having COVID, they're astronomically too high. Just to leave people to die like sheep to slaughter in a correction facility is just inhumane, cruel, and unusual punishment in this day and time. We need to demand releases, supervised housing for those returning, and resources and assistance. We can bail out everybody and everything, but we can't bail out the criminal justice infrastructure that's at foot here that co-signs people to recidivate or die from COVID in jail. We gotta have better options than that. And that's what we gotta demand nationally, that this criminal justice reform start with thinning out these already over-budgeted and overcrowded prisons, thin them out so the social distancing and proper health-related issues can be administered to prevent COVID spread and death and also get people out of there who have outlived their sentence and should be on the street doing the type of things that they do for their communities in there, for their communities out here. Based on this mountain with a rare chance to see Dreams once envisioned by That was Pacifica producer Ken Yale in conversation with Jerome Wright. To reach Jerome or learn more about the campaign to halt solitary confinement, go to nycaic.org. To support David Gilbert's campaign for clemency, go to friendsofdavidgilbert.org. Music was by revolutionary musician Gil Scott Heron, who was also incarcerated with Jerome. You can hear Jerome's deep insights on this and much more on the 25-minute version of this production. That's archived on KPFA's Flashpoints program of November 20th, 2020 at flashpoints.net. In spite of growing nativism, the U.S. economy remains as dependent on immigrant labor as ever. In fact, in the post-civil rights movement era, immigrants from Latin America and Mexico in particular have come to replace black Americans as the country's super-exploited working class. There's no more dramatic example than that of the washerwomen. Once upon a time, these super-exploited workers were black American women. Today, Mexican women do this unforgiving labor in New York City and across the country. I came here to this nation for better opportunities for me and my family. I'm from the state of Guerrero. I wanted to help my grandparents because one of them was very ill. I also wanted to continue my education. I came with my husband and my two oldest children because I wanted a better life. 
I'm from the state of Morelo, and I came to give my children a better future. I came here to give my children a better future. My name is Jacqueline Batista. I came hoping to give the family we leave behind in Mexico a much better future. Can you give us a sense of how many workers there are not only at this workplace but across the city? There must be many thousands. I understand that there are about 3,000 registered laundries with the consumer department in New York. If each laundry has two or three workers, there are laundries that have 10, 12, we are talking about 15 or 20,000 workers in New York City. And that was Mao Magarias of the Laundry Worker Center in New York City. So what exactly happens to your laundry bag when it arrives at the laundromat? Can you tell the listening audience what this work entails for the women who work the laundries? Because we deposit clothes, but we know very little about conditions there. The washer has to separate the clothes, but there are times when the clothes arrive very, very dirty with human excrement, human fluids, and there are just things one cannot stomach. Sometimes the smell is just too strong. There's vomit in the clothes, clothes with excrement, with blood and needles. I got stuck with a needle once, and what did the manager tell me? Nothing happened to you. We don't know if the needle was infected. In the case of all workers, they have developed skeletal muscular disease, muscle aches, finger pain, back pain, a lot of stress, headache, eye irritation, skin irritation, because many of the clothes come with dust. They are contaminated possibly with something, so all these problems are very serious. We work in a basement. There's no ventilation. The only entrance is the main entrance where the customers come in. It's winter now, but it feels hot in there. When it's summer, it feels like an inferno in there. The conditions are terrible in that place. Terrible and dangerous. Have there been any fires yet? Yes, we had two fires. On one occasion, there was something flammable in the clothing that lit a spark, and a flame hurled out of the machine. The most worrisome thing is that the extinguisher was nowhere to be found. We were running around looking for it, and the manager didn't know where it was either. Finally, one of us dealt with the fire. And that is such a small, enclosed place that the smoke was trapped there. The boss made us clean up, but smoke lingered. And the lady forced us to work under those conditions. I feel that they should train the managers on how to handle an incident like that one. What do material conditions look like? How many hours do you work and how much do they pay you? 
Hace como seis meses atrás estábamos... Um, About six months ago, we were working almost 60 hours and no overtime. Only $11 an hour. There has been discrimination by the owners. I was always in a hurry to get the job done, but she only paid me $9 an hour, and the woman treats us terribly. And I always demanded that she pay me the minimum wage. And she'd get angry and tell me to work faster, that I was too slow. And finally, when I got paid, I didn't get my full pay. She would discount hours for my work. Once she took $30, and when I complained, she got angry. In New York, Mexican migrants have one of the highest labor participation rates in the city. They are also disproportionately concentrated in low-wage jobs, a fact that drives the high rate of poverty among them which stands at 34%, the highest in the city. That's because many of them are not paid New York's official minimum wage of $15 an hour. And in some cases, employers steal workers' wages as a form of intimidation. In late November, a small group of laundry workers at Wash Supply Laundromat in Manhattan demanded the city's $15 an hour minimum wage and the end to the abuse they suffer daily at the hands of their employers. Talking to the owner gives me panic because he yells at us and calls us stupid. How did you manage to muster up the courage to launch this protest? We got tired of all the injustices and the respect that they didn't give us. We were afraid. It was nerve-wracking. More than anything, I'm motivated because the owner wants us to work double time. But why should I work double time if the salary you pay me is not enough for me to lead a dignified life? All of this made me sick. Sometimes I got depressed. But then I said to myself, if I continue on this path, I'm not ever going to get out of this situation. I was also inspired by my coworkers because they said we're tired of so much abuse, of so many things they've done to us. So why don't we join forces and fight? We've always given the best of us, but nothing is ever perfect for them. Little by little, we started to give each other courage, and it took some time, but we finally launched a struggle, and we said it's time. There's no better time than now to raise our voices and let the owners know that we are not alone and enough of so much abuse. During all these months, we've worked with them despite this pandemic, rain or shine, and you haven't recognized that sacrifice. But it's time that you recognize that without us, your business is nothing. 
My name is Yuriana. I have worked in this laundry for many years, and today I raise my voice along with my co-workers who are tired of being exploited day after day. We demand to be recognized as essential workers. They have not provided us with the safety equipment we need during this pandemic. They have discriminated against us. And on this day, we want to raise our voices for all those women who work in laundries in the city so that they will know that they are not alone, that there is a fight that they can also win because this fight that we begin today is for each and every one of them. Thank you. What is your demand and what do you want to achieve with your protest? The first demand is that they pay us the minimum wage. Second, we want better conditions at work, that our rights be respected. We want the discrimination against us women to end, and we are asking that they recognize our union. Would anyone like to add anything else? Justice. May justice be done. Special thanks to Marcos Maldonado for the production of this segment. Matan a mi hermano africano, colgado de un árbol en Santiago. Matan musulmanes sin razón. On March 13, emergency medical technician Brianna Taylor was shot dead in her own home in Louisville, Kentucky, by Louisville police. Pacifica affiliate WXOX Louisville produced a tribute to Brianna for play on WXOX and Pacifica affiliates and other grassroots radio stations around the country. 67 stations aired it simultaneously on August 13. The piece was narrated by Brianna's aunt, Bianca Austin. Hey everyone, my name is Bianca Austin and I'm the aunt of Brianna Taylor. And on behalf of our family, we want to thank everyone for standing with us as we fight for justice for Brianna. It has been five months, five long months, 150 days since Brianna, an accomplished EMT worker who worked as an essential worker, not only for one, but for two jobs for two different local hospitals was murdered in her own home by Louisville Metro Police Department. We will not stop until Daniel Cameron, the Attorney General, holds these officers accountable. Justice for Brianna means justice for everyone who has been a victim to police brutality, especially our young black women. Justice for Brianna means an end to police brutality and social injustice. We will not tolerate this any longer. The time is now. So please be a part of the change and get involved. One thing about Brianna, she loves music. As you relax and listen to her favorite song, just remember that Brianna life mattered.
died so tragically. And today we honor you. Say their names. Michelle Cassell, Rikia Boyd, Kayla Moore, Sandra Bland, Shelly Frey, Tarika Wilson, Miriam Carey, Alberta Sprell, Tanisha Anderson, Eleanor Bumpers, Chantel Davis, Kiam Livingston, Megan Hockaday, Natasha McKenna, Alexia Christian, Maya Hall, Armetta Foster, Kendra James, Latanya Haggerty, Margaret Mitchell, Yvette Henderson, Sharice Francis, Shanique Proctor, Ayana Jones, Ara Rosser, Janisha Fonville, Yvette Smith, Frankie Perkins, Katherine Johnson, Danette Daniels, Michelle Shirley, India Kager, Corinne Gaines, Betty Jones, B.B. Hill, Janet Wilson, Mary Chuilo, Alteria Woods, Pamela Turner, Dominique Clayton, Sarah Reed, Shelley Amos, Cheryl Burton, Tatiana Jefferson, Charlena Lowes, Brianna Taylor, and way too many more beautiful black women taken from this earth so tragically. Justice for them all. Say a name. That concludes today's edition of COVID Race and Democracy. We thank all of Pacifica's sister stations and its radio affiliates who contribute to the production of this show. The show's executive producers are Akua Holt, Steve Seltzer, and Paulina Vasilio. Verna Avery-Brown is our executive consultant. You can find this and all previous episodes at our website, covidtaskforce.pacifica.org. Thanks for listening. All right, welcome back to Full Circle here on 94.1 FM and kpfa.org. I am Freewell and Franklin, and you just heard a special reel of COVID, race, and democracy, a Pacifica network-wide collaboration. 
And again, a big shout out to executive producer Polina Vasia for putting this together for us. And in just a moment, we will be joined by award-winning producer and journalist, um, producer for COVID, race, and democracy, Anne Garrison. Let's take a short music break, and we'll be right back with more Full Circle right here on KPFA. Mic check. To the end for two milli. That's an audio daily double. Rappers need to fall off just to save me the trouble. Yo, watch your own back. Came in and go out alone, black. Stay in the zone. Turn H2O to cognac. On Doomsday, ever since the womb, till I'm back with my brother went. That's what my tumor say. Right above my government, Dumoulin. Either unmarked or engraved. Hey, who's to say? I wrote this one in BCDCO section. If you don't believe me, go get bagged and checked in. Cell number 17, I'm under the top bunk. I say this not to be mean, was bad luck a pop junk. Pop the trunk on Seaside for punk, leave him left scrape. God forbid, if ain't no escape, blame him F tape. Definition super villain. A killer who loved children, one who is well skilled in destruction as well as building. While Sydney Sheldon teaches the trife to be trifer. I'm trading science fiction with my man, a live lifer. A pie pipe, a holler, a rhyme, a dollar and a dime. Do his thing, ring around the white collar crime. Get out my face, asking about my case, need toothpaste. Professor Mint, monkey style, they get to death and death. And dope fiends still in their teens. Shooks against the turn witness. Real men's mind their own business. All right, everyone, you are listening to Full Circle right here on 94.1 KPFA and online worldwide all the time at kpfa.org. That song you just heard was Doomsday by the legendary wordsmith himself, MF Doom. And I know a lot of people right now in the hip hop community are mourning the loss of this great artist. So I wanted to throw that out there for everybody. Before the music break, we heard an awesome compilation episode of COVID, Race, and Democracy, or CRD as it is sometimes referred to. This is a Pacifica network-wide collaboration highlighting the really strange and turbulent days we are going through as a nation. Uh, But before I go on and talk about COVID, Race, and Democracy myself, I want to introduce my special guest, Anne Garrison, Many listeners may be familiar with the name Anne Garrison because Anne was a producer of The Weekend News for years here at KPFA. And she, like I said, is also an award-winning journalist. In 2014, she received an award for promoting peace through her reporting on conflict in the African Great Lakes region. She also writes for multiple publications, including the San Francisco Bayview and the Black Agenda Report. Again, welcome to Full Circle, Ann Garrison. It's great to have you. Thank you. And Good first, to be here. 
First off, I know the award you won was not just called the War and Peace Prize. It actually has a longer, more beautiful name, but I didn't want to mess that name up. Can you briefly, uh, can you just tell us the actual name of the award, then tell us briefly about some of the reporting you've done to earn that award? Sure. It's the Victoire and Gabriel Mojosa Democracy and Peace Prize. And Victoire and Gabriel went to prison in 2010 for running for president against Rwanda's dictator, Paul Kagame. She was in prison for some years, and now she remains under house arrest. However, her, run for, her attempt to run for president in 2010 attracted enough attention to radically change the world's perception of Rwanda. And I was able to be part of that because I contacted her and quickly understood that this was a very large story because it's about the whole region, not just Rwanda. It's also about the Democratic Republic of Congo, which Rwanda has occupied since it invaded in 1996. And so I kept calling her. And at that time, you would be arrested if you tried to interview her in Rwanda. The BBC and the CBC called her a few times. I called her many times and put her voice on KPFA and put trans transcripts of the conversation in the San Francisco Baby newspaper. And I was astounded that KPFA and the San Francisco Baby could have that much impact. But we did. Eventually, I got a letter from some media person representing both the Rwandan and Ugandan governments asking me what I had against President Kagame and President Museveni. In places where there's not a lot of reporting, if you get your headlines about it on the web, they really stand out. Well, congratulations for um, that excellent reporting and uh, receiving that award. We know you deserve it for the hard work you put in. So we thank you. And again, congratulations. Well, uh, let's go on to COVID race and democracy. As I've been um, introducing it, I've been describing it as a Pacifica Network collaboration. Can you tell us more about the creation of CRD, as many of the producers call it? The show already has a history of how it was created, where it was broadcast. Um, why is a collaboration, a collaboration like this important to you, in your opinion? And you know, what was the birth of this show? The Pacifica National Board's Programming Committee decided that they should respond with a national show on COVID just at the beginning of the outbreak. And then, right after that, the George Floyd protests erupted. So at that point, the title of the show was changed to COVID Race and Democracy. The Programming Committee met for over a month about how to produce this show. And for some months, they made it must-carry, meaning it was mandated that all of the five stations, it, it, it was mandated that all five stations, KPFA Berkeley, KPFK Los Angeles, KPFT Houston, WBAI New York City, and WPFW Washington, D.C., find some hour to carry it during the week. And KPFA was only able to find 5 a.m., some stations found spots that were closer to prime time. Each station, each of the five stations, produced a show uh, in rotation. 
KPFA would do it, then KPFK, then KPFT, then WBAI, then WPFW. The affiliate stations were involved. Uh, a lot of people who listen to KPFA don't know that it's a network of five metropolitan stations and 200 plus affiliate stations. So the show was not only to report on COVID and then the George Floyd protests, but also to put the network forward, make people understand Pacifica as a network. Yeah, so uh, people can really understand the depth and the breadth of uh, Pacifica. It's not just KPFA as we're used to out here in Berkeley. Well, can you just real quickly share your thoughts on being a network and having these affiliates and why this is so important to remember that KPFA is not just a solo entity, that we are part of a network? Well, one thing is that by being in touch with the whole network, we're able to get more on-the-ground reporting. One of the first people I spoke to was Tia Marie, who produces the Tia Marie show on WXOX Louisville. And I called her about the Breonna Taylor struggle, the struggle for justice for Breonna Taylor and David McAtee. And we spoke several times uh, and uh, for CRD, and then we invited her to anchor one of the shows. Uh, she has an absolutely lovely voice. We've invited other people from around the network, both the... Um, the five metro stations and the affiliates to anchor and or contribute content. Well, and as you mentioned, other stations in the network have websites. People can listen. They could tune into any stations. Uh, we have those 200 uh, affiliates that make it possible to get uh, reporting from the on the ground in the areas where incidents like Brianna Taylor are happening. And you all heard that in that excellent compilation at the end there that we had the family of Breonna Taylor um, contributing to COVID race and democracy. Well, Anne, you are a listener to the network. You have explored other shows. You've mentioned one there. Um, what are some of your favorite shows that you'd like people to be aware of that are on the network? Well, I really like the newscast, half an hour newscast on KRFP Radio Free Moscow. It's very interesting uh, and what I find most, well, it's sort of like dropping in, it's like getting to travel. With uh, many of these stations, you turn them on and it's like uh, you get to drop in on a community. I've even listened to some of KRFP's school board and city council meetings. And because I was getting a feel for the community, it, w it was very interesting. One thing that I especially like is that they have a regular endangered species report on endangered species in the Northwest. What is, can be really helpful about the network is that if something is happening, like the Trump rally in Tulsa, you can see if there's a Pacifica affiliate there and call and try to get someone on the ground. Yeah, I think that's one of the most important um, resources that we have. I am learning to try to utilize that. And uh, we thank you for your excellent work in helping us understand um, the network and the affiliates and actually reaching out and getting the the voice of family of Brianna Taylor to do that excellent tribute that you all had 
on CRD, COVID, race, and democracy. Let me, let me mention Portland. KBOO, K-B-O-O, Portland. It was great for on-the-ground on reporting during the Portland protests and when Trump sent his goons in to arrest and beat up on people. There's a station in Immokalee, Florida, which is for uh, the Dominican, Guatemalan, and Mexican workers who work in the fields there. And they have a very radical statement about liberation. And I know that this, this station is essential. Well, radio stations are essential. Um, often they're a real lifeline in underprivileged communities. They are the most important medium in Africa. And this station doesn't have a stream, doesn't have a stream online. And I wish that the Pacifica Network could somehow reach out and make it possible for the rest of us to hear them. But that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, and we know um, the coalition of Immokalee workers are very important out there in Florida. Uh, we featured them on KPFA on Full Circle and their food that they helped produce, Food Chains. So if anybody's out there and wants to check that out, it's an excellent film and an excellent organization. Well, Anne, we're getting a little low on time, but I wanted to make sure that we can tell everybody uh, real quick that thanks to some work that you've done reaching out to Laura Privis, our interim uh, program director, that people can now find COVID race and democracy on our podcast zone called Area 941. And if people haven't heard of Area 941, it is just what I said. It is a place where we are putting podcasts that don't make it on the air. And as we know, the 24-hour slice of KPFA pie is not always easy um, to get your show on the air. So hopefully as we build Area 941, um, it could be an incubator for future shows that will be on the air. And um, like we have been mentioning through the night, I will include links to all of our sister stations in the network, the five, uh, the four other stations. I will have links to their websites on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show. And I will also send um, post a link there to Area 941. And lastly, I will add that if you do go to Area 941, you will hear some work by one of our First Voice Apprentice graduates, uh, Kat Petru. So she has uh, got a couple of shows that are on Area 941. Um, so yeah, look for the links on kpfaapprentice.org just after the show tonight. And, and as we start to wrap up here, I wanted to give you a chance to hype up uh, CRD, COVID, race, and democracy one more time for our listeners before we go. What do you really want people to know about COVID, race, and democracy, the network-wide show? Well, first and most of all, that it's meant to unite the network and involve uh, as many people around the network as possible, including the affiliates. We're on WPFW, Washington, D.C., at 5 p.m. on Mondays, on KPFT Houston at 2 p.m. on Mondays, at WBAI at 5 a.m. on Wednesdays, <laughs> and the programmer, the program director, excuse me, at WBAI has said she's going to try to find a better slot for it, but as you know, anytime you put a new show on the air, 
someone else has to move. So we're grateful that for now they're playing at it at 5 a.m. Um, and um, it, it seems like uh, nowadays the commute time, I know a lot of my friends are heading out of the house by 4 o'clock. So 5 a.m. Is, is moving closer to that, that magic time of um, prime time. Let me mention KPFK and KPFA. KPFK ha has it in their podcast area, as does KPFA. And with regard to the podcast areas, I really appreciate that Laura Privis, uh, KPFA program director, gave me credentials to go into 94.1 area podcasts and post our weekly show. And there are just too many voices in the community that deserve airtime, well, deserve time, and there's not enough airtime. There is just simply not enough airtime. It's, it's tough to get on there, but I think incubating um, and growing these shows in Area 941 will be a tremendous help. And a lot of people are uh, listening to podcasts these days. So, again, I will encourage everyone that can hear this tonight to go to kpfa.org and explore the Area 941 podcast and check out the episodes, especially of COVID, race, and democracy. And again, Anne, I want to thank you for being my special guest tonight, um, award-winning journalist Anne Garrison and uh, Pacifica radio producer. Thanks for being with us tonight on Full Circle. Thanks for having us and bringing attention to CRD. Definitely. It's uh, real important to me that we definitely talk about our network-wide collaborations. And don't forget that when you donate to KPFA, that some of that money has to go to the network to help support us. And um, check out some of the other stations when you can and maybe make a donation to one of our sister stations. We're out of time now. That brings us to the end of tonight's show. Remember, check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight for pictures, archive shows, and, of course, all the important links and information that we talked about tonight. Another special shout-out to my guest tonight, Ann Garrison. Don't forget to check out more of her work on the Black Agenda Report and also the San Francisco Bayview. And again, links to her work will be posted on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. Now we're going to go out with a short message from our own Joy Moore and her favorite organization, EcoFarm. Hey, all lovers of the earth, EcoFarm is coming. And with all that's been going on, I am happy to announce that the 41st annual EcoFarm Conference, Reimagining Our Future, will be live online in collaboration with Sierra Harvest, January 20th through 23rd, featuring 50 plus workshops with topics including soil management, pest control, animals, crops, beneficials, business, labor issues, land regulations, equity, justice, food sovereignty, health, community, education, policy, and additionally, 15 stellar keynote speakers, Spanish content, intensives, virtual expo, networking, affinity groups, special events, and more. Building upon its farmer-to-farmer -farmer education model, EcoFarm is an essential networking and educational hub for ecologically-minded farmers, ranchers, and all who work to support their success in growing a healthy and just food system and world. Learn more and register at www.eco-farm.org forward slash conference.
That's the 41st Annual EcoFarm Virtual Conference, January 20 through 23rd. Register now. Scholarships are available. This event is a benefit for the Ecological Farming Association. And once again, that does it for us. A big shout out to the Full Circle crew, executive producer, Miss M. Joy Moore is our production consultant. I have been your host tonight, Freewell and Franklin. I am also the technical director for this show, Full Circle. Thanks for listening tonight, everyone. And please remember to protect your health and your humanity. And stay tuned because coming up next is La Onda Bajita. Good night, everyone.